0: Everyone. Welcome to Hearts Happiness Podcast. The place where I am share my journey of healing intergenerational family trauma to help you to understand your story. I share a bunch of tools and tips that will transform your mental health and allow you to find your own heart's happiness. So exciting, right? Each episode will cover one of three areas. One, raising awareness of what this trauma actually is and how it hides in our lives. Two, tools, tips, support lots of different things that I've used to get better and heal from this trauma. And three, I'll be connecting you with so many specialists and therapists and coaches as guests on my show. So we are going to transform your mental health and empower you to take your healing by the hands and move forward. Hello, everyone. Welcome back for another episode of Heart Happiness. We are in February. So this month My podcasts are around relationships, and we're kicking off today with an episode on how our attachment to our parents affects our relationships. So that's what I'm gonna be talking about today. No guests, just me. And just a few announcements before I kick off. This Sunday, I'm doing a free event So that's Sunday the 7th of February at 12pm UK time where I'm going to be talking all about self-love and how we fall in love with ourselves because I truly believe that our relationship with ourselves is the most important one and one that we need to work on consistently as that affects every other relationship we have, especially when we've had trauma growing up. So that's why a theme that's going to be sort of being spread across all the podcasts this month but if you fancy coming to a free event I'm doing some special offers as well of my coaching events that are coming up um I have a group coaching class that starts on the 16th of February which is a Tuesday there's a possibility that moved might move to a Thursday depending on what suits everybody that signs up so you still have time for that um, enrollment ends on the 10th of February but if you come to my free event on the 7th of February there's some discounts that day so do attend there's a link in the episode notes as well and on my website. So let's get on to the episode. So very few of us attach to our parents in a healthy way and that's because our parents have other stuff going on at because of this intergenerational trauma. And I've spoken about intergenerational trauma at length, especially if you're new to my podcast, check out some of the earlier episodes. Um, there's about intergenerational trauma, how you find it in your family, what complex PTSD is. All these things, if it runs in our family, means that our parents are not fully present and have their own stuff going on, which often they may take out on us, even in very subtle ways like emotional abuse. So. To become healthily attached to our parents between zero to seven, we need certain things. That means we attach in a healthy way, which gives us secure attachment that helps us as we grow up in adult relationships. So for example, if you are one of the healthiest people, then I don't know if you'd be listening to my podcast, but people that have secured, you know, in a healthy way to their parents, Um, have basically grown up with parents who are very relaxed and are able to emotionally regulate themselves. They don't blame their emotions going up and down on their children. They don't expect things off their children to emotionally regulate them like for them to make them happy etc okay. they don't go up and down with their child they are super present through you know when they're young and um, they are responsive to their needs they don't have other things going on like addictions or trying to people please other people or take care of others Those kind of things they're really fully there with their children they're responsive to their needs they are playful they are incredibly consistent And when you're really young, especially in those early years, you're able to co-regulate with at least one parent. So there's a lot of research about attachment theory. And I think some of the older research says that if you sort of securely attach to one of your parents, then you're kind of okay. But from my experience, I don't know if that's 100% True, just from what I've experienced myself. I mean, I had a very close relationship to my grandma, but then she died when I was five. Or, you know, I had a close relationship with my mum, but then she had loads of other stuff going around. So, you know, the, the the characteristics I'm speaking about has to be something that you experience on a regular basis from zero to seven. And unfortunately, so few of us did. So anyway, the other things that, that a parent should do if you're going to securely attach to them is they make you feel consistently safe they just get you you don't have to prove who you are they accept you for who you are you can connect with them effortlessly they know how to validate you oh you're great at that you know they're not like criticizing you all the time or forcing you to do things that you don't want to do they they allow you to be you as well you feel comfortable to be vulnerable with them and be your authentic self. So that means that if something bad happens at school, you're, you know, you're not hiding it from them. You would tell them and you were in tune with your parents. And apparently these kind of characters, it's characteristics have to be like 30 percent time. But, you know, so there is a bit of room there for like a bad day. But, you know, generally they spend a lot of quality time with you. Like I said, often when your parents don't do these things on this list, it's because of their own stuff. But when we're little, we don't realize that. We think it's because of us. And and then we grow up sort of internalizing that. So I've sp- I speak about this a lot on my courses, but basically from zero to seven is when our subconscious mind and our conscious mind's being created. So the experiences that are around us, we literally absorb like a sponge. You know, if we've had all these healthy things, Um, then that means as an adult, we feel relaxed in relationships. We have a positive view of ourselves. We have self-worth, self-esteem. We feel connected uh, in relationships with others. We feel safe in other relationships. We're able to connect emotionally to other people. We're comfortable with intimacy, like real intimacy, like being vulnerable and open and being our true selves. We're comfortable being alone. We're not looking for validation out of us outside of ourselves. We get it from inside. We grew up with emotionally available parents, and because of that, we're naturally attracted to emotionally available partners, and naturally, you know, healthy people. So, what I found in my life, anyway, is that when you have had a life where you didn't get these things as a child, then what happens as you grow up? You gravitate towards people that have also not had, you know, the securest of upbringings. And that's how we all get ourselves into a bunch of trouble. So I'm not saying this list to like depress you or make you feel bad about yourself or anything. I'm explaining that this needs to happen in childhood for us to be able to be securely attached, healthy people so that we are then able to give our children the same and be the same in relationships. But unfortunately, so many of us haven't, especially when we've experienced intergenerational trauma. So I'm not saying this to depress you, but to give you awareness. Because I was somebody that did not have this growing up, and it has impacted on my relationships, etc. But I have been able to heal it. So all the work I do on Heart's Happiness is to create awareness, but also to help you to move through it. So if you are someone like me that didn't have this upbringing and then therefore was attracting unhealthy relationships or was being really unhealthy in relationships themselves, like I was, <laughs> then know that that's fine. You can get better and you can heal. And then that means it stops transferring to your children and to the next generation. And even if, you know, I don't know, you're 70 and you're listening to this, it's still never too late. So, it's so important to know about these things and then to know how it affects our attachment because then you can realise different things about how you behave in relationships and how it's actually based on your subconscious pattern rather than it being who you are. So, you know, it's just like some people say, oh, you know, I just really need a partner that tells me that they love me and validates me all the time. That's to do with this attachment because it means that you didn't securely attach to your parents as a child, which means that you... Uh, maybe like disorganized attachment, which is something I'm going to talk about in a second. And therefore you're you're super anxious in relationships and you're looking for that validation outside of yourself. And it's nothing to do with the other person, it's to do with this inside attachment thing. And as we get awareness of it um, and our patterns, we can start to change that. And then most importantly, we can give it to ourselves because it's nobody else's job to... Um, do that for us. Our parents are, you know, we're no longer children. They were supposed to do it when we were young. Unfortunately, life is life and things happen. And often they didn't have securely attached parents either. So they're just repeating a pattern from their trauma. So like, obviously there's some awful things that parents do. And I'm not dismissing that, but I'm just trying to show you the bigger picture, you know, hurt people, hurt people. They don't just do it anyway. And that goes for anybody that we're in a relationship with as well. They have also got their attachment issues, which means they also play out weirdly in relationships. So it's just something to be aware of um, when you are romantically involved or, you know, even in friendships, it can affect friendships as well. So I'm just going to go into... What attachment? The different types of attachments. So if you are like me and are like, yeah, that wasn't my childhood, sorry, then you are likely to have one of the three insecure attachment modes. So the first one is what we call avoidant attachment, dismissive attachment. So that means as a child, your parents weren't present due to their own life circumstances. Maybe they were working a lot. Or maybe, you know, they were distracted by other things, like looking after a sick parent or something. So um, it could be a 100 different reasons, to be fair. So they just didn't interact as much with you, which means as a child, you were left alone a lot. This also means that you had an emotional and physical neglect. Parents may be a little bit hostile, but more than anything, they just were quite avoidant. So they would spend time with you, but just on tasks, like say, maybe giving you your lunch or something or teaching you something but not really emotionally present with you not really connecting with you and working out who you are and being present with you so they just didn't relate with you very much and they were quite emotionally absent so what happens is the child becomes very self-sufficient very independent and they start to choose autonomy so they choose being independent by themselves to cope with that dismissive environment they've grown up with because they see their parent as ignoring their calls for comfort. So they're like, okay, this hurts. So I'm gonna stop doing this and I'm just gonna take care of myself. Attachment shuts down. This might mean as a child, you might've done things to like on your own a lot, like maybe watching TV or like gaming if you're a guy or porn or, you know, getting involved in some other kind of addictions that kind of took you away and, you know, isolated you in a sense. But then as an adult, you find being close and intimate difficult. So you really minimize relationships in your life like they don't matter. You're like, I don't need them. You insist on self-reliance. You do many of life's tasks alone. You feel like kind of superior because you're like, I don't need people, like I'm not a needy person. And you could even prefer things like animals to people and you might find it difficult to have eye contact and it may be easier for you to think through things rather than express them emotionally. When you lose a relationship, you feel quite depressed because you actually do wanna be close to people, but you're kind of scared of it. So you really find deep, intimate relationships difficult and you see yourself as separate to other people. So this is what we call as avoidant as a child and dismissive attachment. So if this sounds like you or sounds like a partner, you know, you can understand where it comes from. So, you know, you do find expressing your emotions difficult, but that's okay. This is just the source of what happened to you as a child and you can work on that. But the first thing, right, is becoming aware of what you're unconscious like mind and subconscious is doing to you. Because basically what's happening is when you're getting close to someone, you're being triggered internally by that emotional wound of being rejected as a child. So then you pull away from relationships to feel safe. That's your pattern, okay? And then we have the second one, which is what we called anxious, oblivion, anxious attachment. So as a child, you grew up with a lack of consistency. Um, your needs were met some of the time. Sometimes you were loved, sometimes you weren't, but it's unpredictable. And parents have their own attachment issues, and parents can react with annoyance and they have trauma themselves. So it's just very up and down. And that means sometimes you were given love and, you know, that connection and that you were present, but other times you just weren't. So, therefore, as an adult, you get really afraid of being abandoned somebody that you love. So you're very needy and clingy about your partner. You're always worrying that the partner doesn't love you and you may over give in the relationship. And often you can be in a relationship with someone that was the previous one that I said, the avoidant one, because you're kind of like magnets for each other because you're just like triggering each other all the time. So you can also be quite distrustful of other people and you will often do maybe well, not often. You might do some extreme things to get att- attention in your relationship, but you can also like run away from it because you know you're just f- feeling like it's hurting you. And you can also get addicted to romantic partners. So uh, I did an episode earlier. I think it might have been episode five, and it's called Trauma in Love, where I speak to Sheena Tubbs, who was my relationship coach, and we talk about the different intimacy orders. And this often can come from somebody with anxious attachment. You can have something called love addiction. When you've got the avoidant attachment, you can have something called love avoidance. So it's just, again, something to be aware of. But somebody that's anxiously attached will lose themselves in relationships, find it difficult to set boundaries, kind of merges with the other person gives way more in relationships, not just in romantic relationships, but in um, friendships and work relationships. And also you kind of like merge and lose yourself in, uh, in your partner. You are more likely to understand their own needs over you. So can you see how avoidant, dismissive and oblivion, anxious are basically two opposites? So one, The avoidant pulls away from the relationship when they feel triggered and, you know, they're afraid of intimacy, whereas the anxious person is super is like the opposite, like over giving, over worrying about it. It consumes them. They're desperate from that validation to merge with that person to feel safe. Mm So that, again, is the unconscious, subconscious pattern that you've got yourself into. And then we have what is considered the worst case, which is what I have. (laughs) So which is basically both. So as a child, you were neglected. You had the combination of parents who were avoidant and oblivion. So they were, you know, they were sometimes very loving and present and sometimes they weren't and sometimes they were very emotionally unavailable. So this is what I grew up with. My dad was incredibly inconsistent and um, he could be amazing and loving and he could just be an ass. basically. I never knew which one I was going to get and he's very attacking as well. And my mum was lovely but she was always distracted by other things and she was actually very emotionally needy herself. So it was just a combination of growing up with them and then also I also lived with my grandparents who had their dynamics that also affected my attachment. My granddad was an alcoholic. My grandma died when I was five and I was very close to her. So all of these things were giving me messages on relationships. I also witnessed traumatic events. Um you know, well, losing my grandma was incredibly traumatic. I witnessed abuse between adults and all kinds of things. And that basically gave me the message that relationships were unsafe. I didn't trust my caregivers. I didn't know what I was going to get from either of them. And because of that, I became very afraid of them. Um, And often, you know, people that have had disorganized attachment like me have had it themselves too. So my parents had it as well and this again is this is where the intergenerational trauma element gets into it we are just repeating patterns of behavior and you know, when you're young and you have an insecure attachment, that means that, you know, you had trauma and things going on, which means your nervous system is really reactive. So therefore, it's reacting in close relationships. There's no getting away from it. So when you're an adult with disorganized attachment, you want to be loved um, and trust people, but you find it really, really difficult. So you very you much fear intimacy. You, you expect rejection. You see parents and partners as unpredictable, as unsafe. You just don't trust people. You may avoid relationships, but you know, be obsessed with the fantasy of them. You're unable to regulate your emotions yourself. You're basically chronica- chronically vigilant and anxious of things going wrong. Like relationships are so draining for you because you're just terrified of them. So you kind of alternate between being really clingy and being like that anxious attachment, so the overgiving, and then you can avoid as well. So you kind of pull from both. You have a very poor self-esteem, self-worth, lack of love for yourself. If this is unhealed, you would pass it on as well. So that's me, by the way, guys. Like I've got everything. And that again means you're very prone to the intimacy disorders, love addiction, love avoidance, sexual anorexia, which is also called love anorexia. So I have an episode on that. It's called Trauma in Love. I think it's episode five. But basically these things mean that you really, they complicate your relationship. So for me personally, I've I've shared this story a lot. I was either very uh, obsessed with a love interest, like over giving to them. And often it was a man who was very emotionally unavailable to me. So was quite avoidant themselves. That was kind of my loop. Um, I would even like n- not tell the person anything and have like a fantasy with them in my mind because that was safer. And then when I was in a relationship, I'd be scared of what was going to go wrong. Or then I would also become the avoidant. So I'd step away. So I would be doing a combination of absolutely everything. And the way in which I have got better in this and able to have a healthy relationship now is is most importantly, I worked on the relationship with myself. That was the most important. I learned how to, what my own needs are. I learned how to validate myself. I learned how to love and care for myself. I learned how to be a nurturing parent to me. I learned, figured out who I am, what I need. And also, you know, what I want in a partner is actually what makes my nervous system feel safe. Before, I was going for people that were actually making me feel like my family did. And that was causing me a load of problems. So now I'm with somebody that makes my nervous system feel safe. That sounds so sexy, doesn't it? But that means we are able to communicate. So these things still happen. I get triggered and sometimes I get avoidant. like I, I, I go to pull away from the relationship or sometimes I'll get overly anxious about it. But the difference is I'm able to step away, take care of my trigger, and then come back and communicate and be intimate about how I felt. So that's how I've moved into sort of the healthier relationship model, which we're going to talk about next week. But you know, this is nothing to worry about. It's something to be aware of. And it kind of explains the patterns in which you are in. So there's a couple of books that I would recommend, a book called Attached and a a book called Your Brain on Love and another one called Insecure Love. But I would check those books out because they can really explain like how you play out in relationships. So I, you know, I believe that, you know, nobody's, like as somebody that's grown up with that disorganized attachment, I can pop back into avoidant or anxious now. But most of the time, I'm as secure. And my partner, um, I reckon, Simon, sorry, you can't hear me right now. (laughs) But I think he sort of possibly goes more into that avoidant attachment. But he's secure most of the time, but you know, things happen and he you know, can pull away. Like it's just, but again, I realize that as a wave and that's to do with him, maybe he's overworking, maybe he's not taking care of himself. I realize it's not to do with me. So this is the important thing to learn about relationships, you know? Um, we each give our 50-50, but this stuff, you know, the healing, the wounding from when we were young, Is really important. Oh, there's another book called Healing Your Attachment Wounds and I'll pop that link in the bio, uh, in the bio, in the um, episode notes as well. But this is so powerful when you start reviewing this kind of behaviour. It can really change your relationships. So I really recommend that. So check out those books that I suggested and the Trauma in Love episode. And next week, we'll be talking about how to have healthy relationships. And, you know, as always, this, the the key to all of this healing of trauma is learning how to love and take care of yourself, which is what I will be talking about on the 7th of February, if you want to come to my free event. And this is very much the principle of all of my coaching programs. So I have the eight-week group coaching program, which starts on 16th of February, possibly the 18th of February, depending on who joins. And that's for eight weeks. And we talk a lot about this. Uh, We talk about attachment and we also talk about our relationships and we talk about how we get better and that is totally due to self-love. But also I cover this in my eight-week one-to-one coaching program, which is my premium package. And then I have a one-off session, which is two hours. And that is just purely focusing on your intergenerational trauma. So explaining why you didn't get a secure upbringing. And often it's to do with the bigger picture. Well, always it's to do with the bigger picture and not with you. And that's what I'm trying to get people to do, to start healing these wounds so we stop repeating them because we don't know we're doing them. They're unconscious and then we pass it on to other people. We pass it on through our children, but also for our behavior in relationships. You know, we could be quite horrible in relationships because we're like shouting at someone that they don't love us, that they don't show us love that you know but actually it's where we're kind of acting out of our anxious attachment wounding so it's February and it's all about love and I'm asking you to go inwards and find out why you do some of the things that you do read some great books and also start to learn how to love and take care of yourself and my podcast helps with that there's a a self-lover episode I think as well earlier that could help you and this event on Sunday if you did want to get in touch with, like, if this sounds like you and you want some help, then we can work together. Just um, fill in my contact form. Again, the link is in the episode notes. And I can organise a free discovery call to talk through all the different options. But that is it from me. And there we have it, guys. An episode completed. I hope you enjoyed it, and it raised a load of awareness in your mind. There was alarm bells going. You were all like, "Ding, that's totally me," because that's what I was like when I started this journey. And that is the start of the process, finding out this information and realizing it has happened in your own life so I really hope it was helpful and before the next episode coming out next Wednesday be sure to check us out on Instagram so it's hearts underscore underscore happiness also we have a YouTube channel where I share the videos I create for Instagram on so you can check that out they come on about once a week and then we also have a Facebook group if you want to join to carry on the conversation i want to create a community where we're all talking about our very real experiences and traumas and then there is also my website called uk which you can check out to join our mailing list so that as i create new services and support tools for you all you're the first to find out and i have a freebie on there so definitely check that out it's Five books that transformed my healing. So, if you really want to kickstart and you know your life and the content in here, these books are like the basis of so much of my knowledge. So, definitely check that out. And I will speak to you next week. I'm so excited to continue this journey with you to help you to find your own heart's happiness. Take care.